Okay, well, um, once again, it's a real pleasure to be up this end. It's real, uh, I love coming up here and uh, being amongst you guys on Sunday mornings. Um, I bring my greetings, as always, from your brothers and sisters in the South. I'm sure they're, um, they're experiencing the Holy Spirit in much the same way that we've done this morning. They've broken bread together as well. And um, uh, it's great to have that sense of, uh, and I get to do that because I get to be at both ends at times. Yeah, that real sense of being family together. Okay, so um, this morning we're going to continue our preaching series on uh, looking at what the characteristics of a godly family looks like. When God calls us uh, as one new people in Christ together, he also gathers us wonderfully into families. And we've sung about that this morning. He makes us unique in our appearance and our behavior by placing in us the blueprint of his character. A character that not only binds us together, but also brings us together into families in order that through our living of life together, our sharing of ourselves with one another, we get to show off his church and his glorious pattern for life. His plan for godly families is that we look like him, that we become his shopfront to the world. His character gets put on display through the beauty of his church. And in this generation, that would be us in this room this morning. So how are we doing? Do we reflect who he is as the people of God together? Throughout this series, we're going to be uh, looking at a number of key elements that help us do that really well. We've already looked at three areas so far. Rich kicked us off uh, a couple of weeks ago looking at forgiveness. We've also looked at how we grow together in our commitment to one another and also our acceptance of one another. My job this morning is to unpack God's purposes for encouragement among his people. How, we, how speaking into each other's lives builds us up, releases us, and enables us, each of us, to reach our full potential in him. I'm going to be asking, how good are we, are, are we at giving that? How good are we at receiving that? And how good are we at going after it? So let's look at our passage this morning, which is from Acts 11, verse 19 to 26, if you want to find that. Actually, I'm just going to pray while you do that. Holy Spirit, I just want to pray this morning that you do come and fill this room. Holy Spirit, come and change this atmosphere. I love that song where it invites you to be all that you can be amongst us. So Holy Spirit, we just say, have freedom amongst us this morning. Speak to us, challenge us. Amen. Amen. So the church in Antioch. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, um, over Stephen, 
traveled as far as Phanonissa and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, who also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Stephen's death sparked a brutal persecution of the Christian church. The growing threat to the Jewish church and its leaders through the teachings of Christ needed a swift response. And it came in the hunting down, imprisoning and executing those found to be followers of Christ. As a result, the new church was scattered across the regions and the good news of Jesus, the risen Christ, burst out beyond Jerusalem into towns and cities that had not previously heard it. Great numbers were coming to faith through bold witness. Even the Hellenists, those of Greek culture, were getting caught up in the surge of witness out into the, into the, into the places like Cyprus and Antioch. Antioch particularly was by now a huge, sprawling, multicultural city that was an important crossroads for trade and had become the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Marvellous things were happening and the news of Jesus spread. Again, we see this great picture when the power and authority of God flows further out into dry and barren places. It doesn't decrease, but it increases and deepens and strengthens. And it impacts lives in greater numbers and in more miraculous ways. The kingdom of God very often grows exponentially through times of hardship and persecution. So it would have been no surprise that this great news of salvation breaking out would eventually reach back to Jerusalem. So step up one of their big guns, an apostle with an impressive name and an even impressive legendary status, Barnabas, son of encouragement. Bar meaning son and Nabus meaning exhortation. What a great name to have. This didn't necessarily mean that he... Yeah, that his dad was the source of um, his gift of encouragement. It was more likely that Barnabas received his name prophetically as a child, maybe even at birth. He would then have carried it 
as a title, working it into his character as he grew up to be a man. I feel very blessed with the name Richard. I'd love to think that it was a prophetic name my parents gave me, but actually it was a very common name at the time, so I doubt, I doubt that. But growing up with the name of Richard, I would often get introduced to various different people and their frequent response would be, ah, oh, Richard, Richard the Lionheart. When you get something like that spoken over you, many times in formative years, you begin to believe it. As a result, I do have a character trait that instinctively responds to courage. I am unashamedly consider myself as a brave person. I love the fact that I'm physically strong, although not so much nowadays. <laughs> and I've always felt that I was meant to be someone who was to be leading. That has naturally become part of who I am as a person. If a name is spoken over you enough times, you'll begin to believe it. Something that can be a really positive experience, but also negative if the name is to tear you down instead of build you up. Barnabas will have grown up and been influenced by the name he was given, son of encouragement. Barnabas had not only been recognised as a great leader, but a great leader maker of men. We would see the calibre of this man very clearly in this passage. We get a masterclass in the gift of encouragement. Not only was he recognised as the perfect person to send to Antioch, they also knew he would make much of the opportunity happening there. And like a true leader maker, he used this opportunity to further involve and raise up someone else alongside him who would eventually eclipse him and go on to be a world-changing leader in the purposes of God. Barnabas must have realised as he moved among the great swathes of people now coming to Christ that this was a moment for Saul, not yet called Paul, he knew that it was an experience he needed to share with his prodigy. It was unlikely that he'd set off from Tartus because he thought he needed help, but that he knew Saul needed to be at Antioch where the power of God was unfolding. By this time, Barnabas knew of the giftings of Saul and the anointing of God that was on him, and he wanted him to be there beside him. Only eight years previously, Saul had been at the forefront of the persecution of the Christian church. He'd been documented in scripture as having even held the coats of those stoning Stephen. He had then led the charge in rounding up, executing and imprisoning those following the teachings of Christ. Ironically, he was instrumental in scattering the very people who is now being called on to help convert. 
following his eventual conversion on the road to Damascus. Even back then, it had been Barnabas who had first seen something in the anointing of God on Saul. While all others were still hating him, in fear of him, and regarding him with great suspicion, it was Barnabas who took a punt and championed him. He'd seen his giftings and a depth of authority in him that no one else had seen. Acts 9 verse 26 says, And when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. This is Saul. And they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was a man who trusted in his instinct and was confident in his gift as a leader maker. He saw the raw, unformed purposes of God in, all, in, in a man that, when all others rejected him. And he took time to invest in him. To the world, Saul was a risk. To Barnabas, it was instinct and a natural bias to bring others through to their full potential. Barnabas was willing to allow another to come through and surpass him. That was a great, that's a mark of a great leader maker. I guess one of the great challenges of being family together is taking time to encourage, to invest, to build up and release each other into our full potential. How often do we allow ourselves to be robbed of such a precious thing? Why is it that we can fill our lives up so full nowadays with so many other priorities that our expression of encouragement often gets reduced down to a couple of lines in an email? Maybe even a WhatsApp message with a thumbs up emoji. Or at best, a passing comment as we're leaving the church. What about what I call covert encouragement? Rich, can I just mention that I found the drums a little too loud this Sunday? Do they really have to hit them so hard? Oh, and by the way, your preach was really good. We've all done that, haven't we? I'm so not going to be able to share that bit of South next week. <laughs> when was the last time we allowed ourselves to be so impressed with someone that we invited them round for a meal or a coffee just to encourage them? How easy is it for us to count the cost of investing in one another instead of allowing ourselves to delight in seeing fruit abundantly grow in us? Do we have that gift at work amongst us that allows us to see something in another person that the world simply doesn't see and then have the desire and time and wisdom to call it out? 
Do we have generous encouragers and sacrificial leader makers among us? Don't get me wrong, I know there's genuine and heartfelt encouragement going on in this church family, and I'm often the recipient of it, and I'm so grateful for it. Please continue to do that. However, godly encouragement is not just about encouraging each other for who we are and what we've done, however good a thing that is. It's also about encouraging out of each other who we are yet to become and what we have yet to still achieve in him. That's where the real cost of encouragement gets asked of the family of God, of our time, our energy, our wisdom, our generosity. It's an encouragement that challenges our attitude to say, yeah, you before me, where we cheer from the wings while someone else gets to shine and go beyond our own achievements. Where we do the hard graft of lifting someone up onto our shoulders so they can reach the full height of their purpose in Christ. Is that you? Look around. Why don't we look around? Come on, we're family together. Let's look around, stare someone in the face. Let me ask you, who in the room this morning is impressing you enough that you would give your time and your investment to? Who is there in the room this morning that you would do that? Where are all the leader makers? The moment we said yes to Jesus, we became a leader maker. Did you know that? Matthew 4 verse 19 says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Being a fisher of men doesn't stop, just stop at leading them to Christ. That's often the, the easy bit. We also have the responsibility of bringing each other through into the fullness of his purpose. Jesus is also calling out leaders who will be leader makers. Let's not oversee the real privilege of that status that we've been called to. The only way that I got to stand up here this morning is because I'm a product of leader makers, many of them. Many of you remember Steve Tibbet. Steve led me to Christ. He was my first leader maker. I noticed um, Peter in the room this morning. Um, welcome, Peter. Good to see you. Um, Peter was one of my leader makers. I remember, I remember being in the garden of Audrey Spratt doing some work on our house, and you had a group of leaders on the lawn and I remember clearly you saying to them, uh, that is the next generation of church leaders. And that's always stuck with me. So thank you for that. I, I hope I've uh, risen to that for you. Amen. My wife, Jess, continually speaks into my life. She's by far my greatest fan 
and my encourager. As countless times stood in my shadow to let me shine. She is a leader maker of the highest order. And I know not just in my life either. Some of you may um, remember Julian Adams. Julian spoke these words over me in 2007. We got those? Uh, I'm going to indulge me, let me read them to you. This is a prophetic word he spoke over me. And Jess as well. I believe for this couple you have got a whole lot more to carry in this church. There is an anointing on you that God wants to release and unlock in terms of your leadership gift. Not just in worship, but in who you are. My brother, I believe specifically, even for you, God says it's your turn to bat. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but I feel that you need to get, to get up and take the bat in your hand because actually you're going to hit some sixes for the church. There is an ability, a prophetic capability on you that has been buried that God is going to unlock right now. God's resurrection, God's resurrecting that in you. God says that you are not supposed to set, to set the mold anyway because you keep saying that, but I don't fit the mold. God says that that's right. You are not supposed to. God is going to use you in the prophetic in an increased way. In 2012, Tim Gannon saw something in me and took a very brave punt. He invested many, many hours in me, mostly in Subway. <laughs> Tim did nothing um, unless it was accompanied by food. He took time encouraging me, challenging me, even at times disagreeing with me, but always holding me to account. It was Tim that told me I could do this job. He very generously called me out as a leader. And most extraordinary of all is that Tim was a man young enough to be my son. A lesson to all those who disqualify themselves as leaders because of your age. God ultimately validates leader makers, not age and not man. Richard still challenges and calls, out, calls me out as a leader on a weekly basis and I'm so grateful for it. Although, of course, his, as his church, we are all followers of Christ. We are also all leaders for Christ. Amen. Are you playing your role as an all nations leader maker? Let me challenge you. Who alongside, who are you alongside right now, encouraging, releasing, and empowering? Who is the Holy Spirit impressing on you enough to make you take a chance and give up your precious time for someone else? One of the great pleasures of mine in my job is that once a month I meet up with four younger guys for the purpose 
that one day, one of them at least will take over my job. Or at least, or even, lead this church family. Who knows? We have many, many more amongst us in need of quality time with trusted people who need to speak into their lives, who get to stir and inspire, challenge and provoke, who will refuse to let the future leaders of this church settle and grow cold. We need fire starters and stokers. We need passionate mothers and fathers in Christ who want to see the next generation surpass them and reach greater heights. Is that you? I really hope so. Finally, I, I still have to pursue the leader makers in my life. It's not enough for me to just wait and hope that they will come to me. I need to go after them. Demand their time and their wisdom. Hound them. Wake them up and say, you've got something to give to me. Let's spend some time together. I expect as part of my job that others will do the same to me too. We can be far too polite at times in what is essentially a godly pursuit of others to play a part in our lives that call us out to lead, whatever that looks like. When God challenges us to encourage one another, he calls us way beyond the thoughtful gestures and thanking someone for who they are and what they've done and the way that they can make us feel at times. Godly encouragement calls us way beyond the one-off moments of kindness and recognition. Godly, encourage godly encouragement calls us into the brave costly world of making leaders for Christ. And God made leader-making a family affair. None of us are exempt. It's not exclusive. It's not dependent on our age, our experience, or even our intellect. And I'm a prime example of that. The Christian church would have died out centuries ago if God had waited for clever men to come forward. God's only criteria is a willingness to see another grow, to see another flourish and reach the fullness of who they can be in him. Is that you? Are you up for that? We have amongst us in this beautiful expression of God's people a rich collection of gifts, passions, life experience, wisdom, desire, energy, potential, and dare I say it, yes, even availability, capacity, and opportunity. Why would we not want to make much of that as we do life together? as we cheer each other on and watch each other shine brightly for our Jesus. Let me 
provoke you and encourage you, but certainly not condemn you. Everyone in the family of God has the opportunity to encourage and lead another into leadership, whatever that looks like. Let me ask you, who is the person in your life that you're doing that with? Before I get you to stand, um, just earlier on, just standing there and worshipping and just felt God lay two or three people on my heart just to speak over this morning. I'm hoping I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Well, probably will, but hey. Um, Simon McCrossan, dear brother, could you, could you just stand up? Just, just watching you. And I just really felt, I really felt God say to you that you have so much more to give to this church family. You have so much more to speak to us uh, and speak into this church family. I really felt him wanting me to encourage you to say, be provocative. Um, keep us current with stuff that we need to know. And um, you're a great articulator of that. And um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to have you as part of our family but I say to keep doing it keep keep badgering us keep emailing us keep provoking us um, yeah David Colton can you can you stand up David um, I really felt God say to you um, and I hope you don't take offense at this but you need to come out of retirement you need <laughs> You, you, need, you need to continue to be the leader maker that you've been for decades. And I, I literally, I want to encourage anybody here this morning, go and, go and hound David Colton. David Colton has got a lot uh, of wisdom to impart into lives. And I just really feel that God wants to uh, say, don't shy away from that, brother. Just keep going with that and keep listening to him and keep being provoked by him to, um, to, to seek out and be available to those that need uh, you to speak into their lives. Does that make sense? Um, and Chantel, where's Chantel? Chantel's still here. Chantel, Chantel, I love you to bits. You, you are... You are the bright, shining thing in our, in our office. Um, you're, you're always positive. You're always full of the presence of Jesus. And you always let that spill out of you. And I just really felt God wants to say to you this morning um, that you need to step up to leadership. And I believe it's in worship. And I, I really feel that God is calling you to... Uh, to take every opportunity to pursue a, a greater leadership in the way that we do worship in this church. And um, you're, you're an amazing example of a true worshipper. And, uh, and God just really wants to encourage you with that and just provoke you as well to just step up and be, uh, be everything that he's calling you to be right now. Just be open to that. Okay?
Thank you. Okay. So, why don't we stand? This, that's not an exclusive list, by the way. Um, I, I want to really encourage you, if there's something, something of the, you know, the spirit that's spoken to you this morning, provoked you about leading, being a leader maker amongst us, um, just really ask you to respond to that right now. I'm just going to pray. Um, also going to invite anybody, you know, it's your choice. I'm not going to pound anybody to come and stand at the front this morning. But it's your choice. If you want to come and just acknowledge that, acknowledge something that the Spirit may well have just uh, spoken to you about, then um, do come up the front. I'd love to pray for, for you. There's a team here that will do the same. Okay. Holy Spirit, just want to pray. Would you renew and increase the gift of encouragement amongst yes, us yes. this morning? Yes. Lord, would you place in us the ability to, yes. to see something in someone else that the rest of the world doesn't see and be responsive to getting alongside them? And speaking into their lives. Lord, would you release that amongst us? Holy Spirit, lead us to those in the room yes. this morning. You know, let, 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 release us to those this morning who yes, we've kind of thought, okay, I can do that. That's, that's somebody I can do that with. Holy Spirit, wake up the encouragers and leader makers in this room this morning. Yes. Lord, would you embolden them would you validate them? Would you validate us, Lord, as fishers of men? Again, that we get to do that amazing, that amazing privilege of yours. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for the blessing that I've had in growing up in it and all the leader makers, all the encouragers that have been in my life in this church family, Lord. I'm so grateful for it. Lord, continue to do that. Continue to provoke us and continue to stir in us the real gift of encouragement. Lord, would you do that now? Amen.